Today's changing IP landscape is unprecedented. Stakeholders have a growing array of global tools that bring enormous opportunities but also challenge traditional portfolio management and enforcement strategies. In this, the third and final segment of our three-part podcast series on IP landscapes, Finnegan partner Eric Rossiti and Nishla Kaiser, a former Finnegan attorney, now Chief Intellectual Property Counsel at Intellia Therapeutics, joined us to discuss some of the issues facing larger companies. This podcast was originally recorded while Nishla was an attorney with Finnegan. Eric, why would an established company need a patent landscape? Well, I think for a larger company, the value proposition is easier to make because a landscape is a tool for making decisions, and generally the finances are a little clearer for a larger company. So the value proposition comes down to being able to make better decisions faster based on good information. And a larger company or an investor that is looking at acquisitions in a technology area, perhaps outside their core competency or even within uh, this provides answers to the business decision makers, the legal decision makers, and the technology people about how this technology that is being studied can fit into the bigger mission of the enterprise. So it's a good approach uh, that's been successfully used by successful companies. Generally, it kind of has the feel of a startup a lot of the time because the venture that the landscape is being used for is a new technology for the larger enterprise, but it's not limited to that. A good landscaping program can support a large enterprise in monitoring their core area of competence. Just because it's big and complicated, that's actually a good use of a landscape because it helps to tease out the important information from a lot of data. Whereas maybe with a smaller study, it's finding good data and then representing it in a way that's easily accessible. So it works, it works for large enterprises as well, especially in identifying potential litigation risks and exposure to third-party patents. There could still be blind spots, even with the best-run organization, and there are leading indicators of potential exposures. You can see technology start to show up that could potentially be a problem down the road, so it allows proaction, which is also really important. And then, of course, it's the usual uses of landscapes for finding partners and licensing opportunities and, you know, the friendlier side of the IP house that helps monetize patent assets. Nishla, why would a landscape be more useful than standard legal analysis such as freedom to operate or diligence project? Well, landscape really is a different type of analysis than freedom to operate or diligence, which tend to have a much more specific purpose. A landscape gives you a much broader view and One thing that can be particularly useful for larger companies when using a landscape is that the work that comes out of a landscape can really be used to bridge the legal department, people working in business development and marketing, and also the engineers, researchers, scientists, the technical groups. Often in a large company, there are separate groups working on those different sides of the business as opposed to, say, a very small company where everyone's talking to everyone else all the time. And while successful companies really do have good communication between those groups, the people involved don't 
often have the time to really just talk about what's going on and some of the bigger picture stuff. They tend to be more focused on their specific projects and their directives. This really gives the people from diverse backgrounds to really sit down together and come to a common understanding of where the field is headed, both on an IP level, on a scientific level. In some cases, we've seen where we start going through a landscape and we look at a particular patent and the legal representative gets very excited about it, but then the scientist said, oh, no, 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 that would never work. We would never do that. Or where the scientist has known about something for a long time, but the business development people weren't aware that that particular company was working in that area. So it really provides an opportunity for the different sides of the business and the scientific and the legal groups to get together and align the goals of the company with the bigger picture in mind and understanding where they fit into the particular competitive landscape. Finally, Eric, how should a landscape be performed for a larger company? It's slightly different, but it shouldn't be a whole lot different than the way it would be performed for a small company. And as we've discussed, it's about communication. So it's about people. And if the people making the landscape have to be able to communicate and receive critical inputs from the legal, the business, and the technical sides of the enterprise. So just worth pointing out here how different those three cultural points in an enterprise are. The legal side of the house, it's all about risk management. It's a very conservative function. The legal people want to make sure that there's not going to be any trouble from a decision. The business side of the house is completely expansive and wants to maximize profits, grow the business. It's all about taking risks. <laughs> so there's a tension there. And then finally, binding this together in a, in a technological company, the technical side of the house is about boundaries and design conditions and you know what can we do, what can't we do. So when the landscape is performed, it's important to talk to these three different functions to see ultimately where the business is heading so that the landscape can answer questions they're likely to ask of it. Now, ultimately, there's probably more data that's going to be uh, baked into this landscape from a larger company. So the data structure, the back end, the uh, facility, such as a database or uh, a data file that can be searched later, is going to be a little bit more complicated. But that should not affect the usability and the accessibility of the visual landscape itself. The important thing, again, is to make sure that everyone's talking to each other and if business development is involved, to make sure that that input is received and that the data structure ultimately can be accessed later to answer questions that they have. The last thing I would just add is it's really important to make sure that the visual, which is, I think, the shorthand product that people think of when they, they think of a landscape, to make sure that that doesn't display the data in a way that's misleading. And there are oftentimes shortcuts that are taken with the information graphic that just gives the wrong message to the person viewing it, implies a false relationship, say, between the data. It gives bad information. I think it's very important to make sure that the visual side of the landscape project is well discussed and that the ultimate consumer understands it. So the large enterprise with more people using it, it becomes slightly more difficult to achieve that 
But that's why the communication is so important, to be sure that everyone understands what they're looking at. Our guests have been Nishla Kaiser, a former Finnegan attorney and currently Chief Intellectual Property Counsel at Intellia Therapeutics, and Eric Rossidi, a partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, including the other parts of this IP landscape series, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.